Let's stand together and let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. You know, God never intended to be a, a cold religious figure. He never intended to be some unknowable, untouchable entity far from our lives. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows where, you're, where you live. He has counted the hair on your head. He knows your joys. He knows your pains. He knows your troubles. He created you to experience joy in his presence and joy in the purpose of his will for your life. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And because of our condition of sin, we get very confused about where we find joy and how to find joy. And this is where some of this conflict that we've been talking about comes from. But Jesus gives us freedom for heaven and he transforms our life here as he gets intimately involved in our individual lives. And that's what we've been talking about these, sec these last several weeks, about the conflict that comes into our lives when Jesus' Spirit begins to move, when the Spirit of God begins to move in our lives. So let's le read this passage once again, Galatians chapter 5. Next week we're going to talk about who is Jesus. But this week, let's look at this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. Do you see the conflict? Here's the conflict right here. My flesh wants to do one thing. The Spirit of God in me wants me to do something different. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we're, we're aware of this conflict that will come within us. Uh, our flesh wanting to do things that, that are of the sin nature that harm us and harm others. And Father, the, the evidence of your Spirit within us and the things of which there is no law against them. Help us to walk under the leading of your Spirit. Help us to walk 
in communion with your spirit. Help us each and every one to have that intimate, close relationship with you that forms us into the image of your son in Jesus' name. Amen. Lance Armstrong was known as the world's leading cyclist from 1999 to 2005. During that time, he won the Tour de France seven times in a row. The race has both a psychological and a physical challenges and requires talent and fitness. The Texan made $218 million for himself and hundreds of millions more for charity, especially after his amazing recovery from cancer. His fame and popularity in America was sky high. And yet, at the end of that time, rumors began to fly around that he was taking performance-enhancing drugs. He always categorically denied that he was cheating, that he was using any of those drugs. He did that very publicly and privately. He would get in the face of anyone who pointed towards him and insinuated in any way that he had done anything wrong. Yet, in June of 2012, the anti-doping agency, the U.S. anti-doping agency, filed charges against Armstrong, saying he had masterminded the most sophisticated, professionalized, and successful doping program that sport had ever seen. In January 2013, just six months later, on Oprah Winfrey, he finally confirmed his cheating. He would be stripped of all his Tour de France titles and banned from the sport for life, and he was dropped by all his major sponsors. Today, he describes himself as the Voldemort of the cycling world, the man everybody loves to hate. Yet he strikes back at the statement that he is the sporting world's biggest fraud, saying that he was actually just living inside the unwritten rules of the sport that prevailed at the time. But he was just better at it. Mankind's sense of right and wrong has always seemed to be on this merry-go-round of everybody else is doing it. In the last years, we've watched the, the Ponzi scheme of, Murdy, uh, of Bernie Madoff destroy financial lives of hundreds if not thousands of people. A man living in wealth, fully knowing that he was stealing from people and stealing from charities. We've, we've watched TV and Hollywood and political personalities fall from grace as the Me Too movement has sprang into prom, prominence. And throughout our lifetime, my lifetime, our, our country as a whole has tried to rebalance itself from a flawed sense of right and wrong in the issue of slavery. And friends, if you've been around the church world much, you know the church world has not been immune from the destruction of lives because of flawed character.
Time and again it has been demonstrated that right and wrong cannot be justified by cultural norms. That right and wrong cannot be justified by saying, well, everybody else was doing it. That right and wrong cannot be justified when we say, well, you know, what we, what we sense, we just sense it to be the right thing. It is to this very issue that Paul writes and says that when the Spirit of God comes into your life, there is conflict between what you once felt was right, what you once participated in, and what the Spirit would lead you to do. Paul points out clearly the acts of the sin nature, or what we might call the character of life without the Spirit of God. He points it out very clearly to us. Let's look at it again closely. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. And the cry of the day is, well, everybody's doing this. It feels right to us. It seems okay to us. Our society accepts it. And yet we understand that's been a flawed argument for centuries. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The person without the Spirit of God justifies all these actions and more as simply normal in life. We justify it, some of them, this way. It's a rite of passage from being, from being a boy to becoming a man. We justify them this way. It's our feelings. It's the way we feel and the way others have made me feel that make me do the things that I do. We justify them by saying, this is just the way that I was made. This is just the nature of who I am. This is just the, the, the way I was born. We justify them by saying, it's the other person's fault. They made me mad. They did something to me. We justify them by saying, these are just my desires. Have you noticed that none of these men who have been revealed as abusers by the Me Too movement, none of them have come out and said, listen, I I'm really sorry. I, I, I should have said something publicly sooner. I have been in counseling for years trying to get help for my issues. None of them have said that. They didn't see their actions as wrong until they were confronted by them. Until it became public knowledge and the, the response, the negative kickback, the loss of jobs, the loss of positions became very clear to them. We've got to be careful because we can sit and look at something so, uh, so heinous as that and go, oh, that's, that's terrible. While at the same time, we can justify our actions and the things that line up with the work of the flesh 
until we are confronted by them. This is what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. Before man has to confront us, the Spirit of God wants to confront us. He wants to roll right into our spirit and convict us. He wants to bring the conflict right to the forefront of our thinking. He wants us to see the error of our ways and see the truth of his way so that we will repent from it and turn from it before we've hurt a lot of people. This happens in moments just like this. In moments just like this Sunday morning, if we allow the Spirit of the Lord can speak to us and bring to our to the forefront of our thinking and our sight the places in our life where we're wrong. I can remember many, many times in my life sitting in a church service, in a prayer time, reading my Bible someplace, when suddenly, one moment, I felt fully justified in an action, and the next moment, I knew I was completely, totally wrong. The revelation of God touching us, speaking to us. I like to talk about how God jumps us sometimes. Out of the clear blue. I can remember one time so clearly driving down the road late at night, talking to a friend about something we'd been a part of, and we both sat there for a few minutes kind of laughing about it and joking about it. And we sat there for a few minutes in silence and finally said to me, what are you thinking? And I looked at him and I said, we were wrong. What had happened between the laughter and the we were wrong? The convicting spirit of God had moved. The revelation of God had moved. And we both knew at that moment that we had to go make some things right. We had to go change our direction. In fact, we, we ended up having to set some time and go apologize to some people. Because we realized suddenly what we had justified because of the way we perceived we were being treated, that we had justified actions that there was no justification for. Look at this with me again. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. Sexual immorality. Our society today wants to gloss over that. It wants to tell you you're okay. It wants you to, get, to try to get by living the way this world lives. And yet the Word of God is so clear. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. And we sit here today, and what we hear sexual immorality, and there's a lot of Christians who can sit here and say, yeah, sexual immorality, that's bad. And yet they carry jealousy around in their heart that they've harbored since they were little kids. Jealousy. Hmm. Fits of anger. All oh, the pastors, they, you know, they do things to me. My kids drive me crazy. I, can't, I just can't help it. It's just who I am. Yeah, that's the sin nature, friend. It's who we are in the sin nature. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, this friction, this divisiveness, this disrespect, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and things, and things like these. I always get stuck there because it, it doesn't say, and that's it. That's all there is, folks. No, it says, and things like these. This isn't the end of the list, guys. It keeps going forward. And as you seek the Word and as you sense the Spirit of God, He'll bring things. Listen, what, we, what my friend and I did, none of, it's not, none of us on that list. It just wasn't on that list. But things like these. But the Spirit of God speaks to us. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? It is evidence that the Spirit of God's not living in them. It's evidence that they are in rebellion to the Spirit of God. It's, it's evidence that they have not surrendered their heart to the Spirit of God moving in their life. Now, friends, hopefully, you and I will never make headlines in our newspapers or on our television shows for some act of the flesh. However, we need to be aware that we are influenced by the nature that we were born with and that once ruled us when the Spirit of God was not alive with us. But we are in danger of making headlines in our homes. We are in danger of making headlines in our workplaces. And I've seen some people make headlines in their local church that said the sin nature's taken over. The works of the flesh have taken over. And we're all in danger of making headlines in the heavenlies as the witnesses of, the, of our lives see how we live our life. The answer to all of that is to walk in the Spirit. To learn what it means to be a Spirit-led person and not a flesh-led person. To learn what it means to have the Spirit of God inside of us that pushes the lust of the flesh out of our life, that makes us see other people the way the Spirit of God would have us see other people, that would give us control over the flesh when it would lose its temper, that would make us feel dirty and ugly when we're a part of divisive, uh, dividing conversations, that would make us feel feel conviction when we walk in jealousy instead of seeing the gifts of God that he's given to us, that instead we walk in jealousy of what others happen or envy of what others happen, that we learn to walk in the leading of the Spirit and he begins to cleanse us from this old sin nature. You know, this is how it starts. It starts with a very simple desire in a place like this today where we say, you know what, what I really want to do is I want to do right. I just want to do right. God, before you, I just really want to be right. I know I'm going to answer to you someday. I'm going to stand before you someday. And when I stand there, God, I want to do right, not only because I'm going to stand before you, but because I, I really want to be, be a, a, a right person. I want to do right things. I, I hunger and thirst to be what you'd have me to be. And it begins right there, and then that leads us to some revelation. Well, I shouldn't be blowing my temper. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bring that under control. And the next time something happens that stirs you up and you start to feel that temper, you go, I'm going to count to ten. I'm going to go back in the room and pray. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to control myself. You start trying to bring that action with the help of the Spirit of God. You start to try to bring that action 
under control. It leads us to the action that is right. And as we cooperate, as we walk with the Spirit, cooperating with the Spirit, a transformation begins in our life that before long we're looking back at things going, I don't know how I ever acted that way. I don't know why I ever thought that way. I don't know why I ever believed that way. That's not the right way. I'm glad I'm free from that. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering for that. Listen, I, I want to tell you, you can't do this on your own. You, you're not gonna, this, isn't, this, isn't on your, this isn't an on your, oh, I'm a tough guy, I'm going to get this done. No, you need the Spirit of God. You need this personal relationship with Him that we talked about just a few moments ago. This intimate walk with Him where you know Him, where you can hear His voice, where you are walking with the Spirit of God. It kind of works like this. You, you begin to walk with the Spirit of God and it begins to get victory. You're supposed to love people, and you've got a list of people you don't love so much. People have done things to you, or people who are different than you. And you decide, you know what? I can see it in black and white right here. I'm supposed to love others, even my enemies. I don't. I don't really want the best for them. In fact, if I was in charge of the lightning bolts, they would be in big trouble. <laughs> How many of you are glad that people are not in charge of lightning bolts? Amen? <laughs> but you determine, I'm going to treat them the way I'm supposed to treat them. And I'm going to pray that God will heal me. So what if they don't change? It's not about them changing. It's about who you are. It's about the kind of person you're going to be. It's about what your heart's going to be like. Who's going to, who's going to write the DNA of your heart? Is the flesh going to get to write that? Or is the spirit going to be allowed to rewrite it? And so as you see it, and you recognize it, and you see the flaw in your life, we begin to say, okay, God, here's my flaw. I, I don't really love this person or this group of people, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start treating them right. I'm going to start loving them. I'm going to start serving them. When my dad came out of World War II, he'd been shot, lost, shot five times, lost his right eye. A lot of his friends had died. And I'll tell you, he, he would tell you himself, he hated the Japanese. He hated him. And God finally spoke to him one day as a young Christian and said to him, until you let me deal with that, I can never use you the way I want to use you. Friends, these things are a hindrance to us. They're a hindrance to God's plan for our lives. They're, they're, they're a wall, a barrier between where God wants to take us and where we are. And we've got to begin to see them as that enemy, that wall between us and God's perfect will for us. Not as something of freedom, not something of, uh, of just, that we justify. We've got to see it for what it is. This is one of the places the enemy is trying to steal and kill and destroy in my life. And I'm not going to allow it to be there. I'm going to pray my way through this thing. I'm going to ask God to heal me through this thing until that wall is obliterated. And I can walk as a new man under the power of the Spirit of God. 
Because, see, friends, if you don't, it will impact your family. If you don't, it'll impact your testimony. It'll impact you in the church. It'll impact how you feel in your own emotions. It'll impact the way you feel about the world. It will bring bitterness and destruction into your life until you let God do a work inside of you. This is all the work of the Spirit in our lives. This is where a person sits in a room like this and they hear about impurity and the guy sits there and goes, you know what? You know what? I can't live this way anymore. Nobody knows, but I I can't live this way anymore. Today, I'm getting rid of all my pornography today. It's out of my life today. I'm going to get some accountability in my life because I know, I know this thing has such a hold on me that if I don't get rid of it and get some accountability in my life, I'm never going to be free from it. And as embarrassing as this is, as tough as this is, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want this wall between me and God. I don't want this wall between me and God's purpose. I'm willing to take whatever embarrassment it takes. I am going to get past this thing. I'm going to be free from this thing. I'm going to be a new man. Amen. I'll get the counsel that I, that I need. I'll get the accountability that I need. I will pray for God to come into my life and into my heart, and I will be changed. But let me tell you, friends, that's conflict. That's a battle. That's a war worth waging in your life. An embarrassment maybe worth facing. To say, I want no more of this. I want to be what God would have me to be. Let's look again at what, at what God is wanting our character to look like. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape. Wanting the best for others. Seeing others with the, with the best intent. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Against the, such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Against such things there is no law. Think about it, friends. Our trouble with racism would be gone if America had acted like this from the very beginning. We have a history and we're paying a price for racism because we as a country didn't live the spirit-led life. We looked at people because of the color of their skin and treated them differently than what the Spirit of God tells us to treat people. And we're reaping the fruit of that pain to this day. Hmm. The Me Too movement would never have been needed if people had acted out of the fruit of the Spirit throughout their lives. Barney Madoff would be a free man today if he had acted through the fruit of the Spirit. Lance Armstrong would not be comparing himself to Lord Voldemort if it acted through the fruit of the Spirit. Families would be healthier. Friendships that were broken would have lasted. Disagreements would not have evolved into arguments. 
abuse, and crime would evaporate when people begin to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Because in such things, there is no law against these things. Now, we can't, I can't change anybody. This is one of the things we've got to say. I can't change anybody else. I can be changed. I can't determine in your heart, for your heart and for your life, I can't determine for you to, be able to begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I can call you to. But I've got to do that for me. When I hear people talking about a cause and wanting to change something in the world, I celebrate that. I celebrate that people are, that God raises up people that see some injustice, some suffering, some place of pain, and they want to invest their life and invest their time, invest their resources in making a difference. I love it when I hear our, our young people talking about changing the world and being a part of something that changes something that's so unjust in the world. But I, I also want to always remind them that there's no lasting real change No lasting real change can happen until the individual embraces the Spirit of God. Until then, we'll just go on to something else that's a a work of the flesh. We'll just find something else that we justify. Listen, the law only revealed our error and our hopelessness. Jesus brought us the answer and opened the door to real transformational change. Real transformational change doesn't happen because culture pushes against me or because laws push against me. No, real transformational change happens when I open my life to the Spirit of God and He changes my nature into His nature. When I get transformed, when I get hungry enough to see the pain I'm a part of and the pain I'm inflicting and say, I want no more of this, God, I want you in my life. And we begin to open our heart up fully to him. Jesus is the answer. And his answer comes not just in understanding, but it comes in transformation. It doesn't just come with me understanding, oh, I should love all people. It comes when he transforms my heart and I begin to love all people. It doesn't come just when I begin to realize, oh, the lusts of my flesh are controlling me. I shouldn't look. No, it comes when he changes my heart and the lusts of the flesh begin to go to the wayside because the love of God rules in my heart. It begins to come, no, I shouldn't talk that way. It, it really comes when, the, when the, my heart begins to be transformed into a heart that wants to build unity instead of division. When he sweeps the jealousy away. For that to happen, though, we have to walk with the Spirit. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've taken a couple of minutes to talk to you about love. And today, I want, to, I want to wrap this up with this, with this thought, talking about this transformation. I want to challenge you to let the Spirit of God just speak to you today in these, these areas of the flesh where you sit and say, I need to be transformed. Now, we, we, we've looked at some of the negatives. Here's one he wants to give us. He wants you to walk in joy. You were created to walk in joy. You weren't created to walk with your head down, defeated, upset, beat up by what the world's doing to you. You were created to walk in joy, to be a person who experiences 
the joy, uh, the joy of this life and experiences the joy of the Spirit. See, I, I think God makes us so that when we see our babies smile at us for the first time, that joy comes into our heart. I think God made us that way. I, I think God made us so that when they take their first steps, we all want to w- run into the room and see it and find joy in it. I think God wired us up that way. I think God wired us up so that when we see our spouse, there's joy in seeing our spouse, like, like on our wedding day. I don't think that's supposed to go away. I think that's supposed to get stronger. I think we're supposed to love them more and find more joy in their presence as, as life goes on, not less. I think God wired us up so that when we do certain things, we find joy. There is purpose in God, in the giftings and the ministry that he's given to you. And when you begin to do them, when you begin to use those gifts, you're going to find joy in it. Let me tell you what, friend. If you invite a friend to Easter this year and they come and God moves in their life and they get saved, how are you going to feel? Will that be a joyous moment? I want to tell you, just getting them here is a joyous moment. It may be one step in a process in their life. Accept the joy. Receive the joy. Be glad that they came. Pray that God continues to move in their life. But God wired us up for joy in his work. He also wired us up for joy in his presence. This is why we talk to you about it's so important for you to have this intimate personal relationship with God. We come in here today and we sing and we worship God. I hope you entered into that and opened your arms to him, invited him in and sensed his presence in your life. And I hope you did that. If you didn't, stick around for next service and try again. (laughs) Now see, the next group of people, they're just out of luck. If they don't do it the first, they're just out of luck. But what I want to tell you is that's not just for Sunday morning. Have you ever... Just shut yourself in with God and just taking time to worship Him. I'm not talking because you got some bad news and, oh God, I need you now. I'm talking about just shutting yourself up in with God and saying, God, I am so grateful for my salvation. I'm so grateful for your presence in my life. I'm so grateful for the family you've given me. I'm so grateful for the food you provide. God, I'm sincere. Have you ever done that? That that may seem way out there for some of you. But I want to tell you, there's joy in the presence of God. There's joy when you go into the presence of God and you've got trouble in your life and you come into him and you begin to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. God, this is terrible. God, I don't know what's going to happen next. But God, I'm reaching out to you. I need you. And in the middle of that, you begin to sense the sustaining power of God. The circumstances may not have changed, but you walk out the door going, hey, God's got this. I sense that in my spirit. That's the living presence of God giving you joy over even bad circumstances. The awareness of his presence. You may have troubles. You may have issues, but the nature of the spirit-filled man is joy. And when you don't sense that joy, I want to call you back to the presence of God. I want to tell you, when you're beat up and you're wore out and troubles are weighing you down, get in the presence of God. 
Go someplace, get alone with God. Because see, the, the hope of God is supposed to live in you, be alive in you. And as you grow in him and as you sense him, when you bring your troubles before him and you, you bring them rejoicing, knowing I'm going in here weighed down, but I'm coming out lifted up. In fact, I'm not, there's been many times I said, God, I'm not coming out till you lift me up. I'm staying right here until I sense your presence. Now, I'll tell you, this isn't where you start as a young believer. You, know, you, don't, you don't start understanding this. You've got to learn this. This is not a, a false face that we put on and come into church and we all put on a smile and say, oh, everything's going great. It's going good. When it's not, no, I walk in the door, and if it's not going good, you say it's not going good, but I trust God. Will you pray with me? I need the sense of God in this. It's honesty because the, 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 the joy that God has for you is not a false face. The joy that God has, has for you is living in your spirit. It's a part of the fruit of the spirit that's for you. This is God being intimate with you. Joy is about the abiding hope and presence of God that comes alive in us when we know him. And for those of you who are new Christians, and boy, you, you've sensed the first touch of that. You've come into the, the, the church. You've come into a relationship with God, and you've sensed the first touch of that. I want to tell you, don't stop there. The fruit of the Spirit. He describes this as fruit so we would understand that this is something that grows in us as we grow in him. As we walk with him, it grows in us. We are supposed to be a shining light of the nature of Christ. And all that starts with us first surrendering our lives to Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. And Father, I pray that today, by your revealing, convicting power, you would show us where the conflict is at in our lives. Any place where there's that dividing wall that keeps us from having the fullness of what you have for us, let us sense it, let us know it, let us declare war on it, and let us enter into the conflict wanting to be what you would have us to be. Father, jealousy or envy, anger or frustration, lust or pride, whatever it is, Father, let us know you've got a better way for us. We don't want to make headlines in our home, headlines in our community, in our church, in our families, that are headlines about failure. We want to make headlines about your glory. So heal us and make us whole. Convict us and stir us. And Father, for those who are struggling with joy today, they got circumstances that fill them with worry and fear and doubt. They don't see the way out. Father, let joy begin to percolate in their heart today as they know you're with them. You'll never fail them. And Father, today, right now, in this moment, 
Father, if we have not surrendered our heart to you, let us know today is the moment. We need to surrender our heart to you today and ask Jesus to be the Lord of our heart. In Jesus' name. So every head stayed bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask prayer teams to come down to the front right now if they would. Sir, are you certain your heart's right with God? Listen, you're not going to stand before him on your good works and get anywhere. Everything that we have with God is dependent upon Jesus. The work he did on the cross, we're going to talk about here in these next few weeks. And it all starts with us realizing this and coming to this knowledge, I need Christ in my life. I need to surrender my life to him to be my hope for salvation and my life upon this earth. Just say, Pastor, I am not certain I'm there. I, I, I want to make sure, I want to surrender my life to Christ today. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. I, I want your prayer right now. Just real quickly, I'm waiting just a second for anyone across this room to say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life today. God bless you. I see that hand. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Hallelujah. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. I put my trust in him to be my Lord. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song and, you know, we're out of time here, but God still wants to do some things in some of your lives. If you have a physical need in life, come let somebody pray for you. If you're going through a time where you need some direction, come have somebody pray with you. If today you're in conflict and you know you're in conflict, you don't, you don't have to come down and even confess what that is to anybody but God. But you'd like somebody to pray with you for victory. Come down and have somebody pray with you. And most certainly, if you raised your hand or you needed to raise your hand, you come down and let somebody pray with you. We love you. God loves you. He wants you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. God bless you.